everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey! And John. Hello! Bots are magic because they take repetitive tasks off your plate. Time-saving miracles, if you were. Or at least, they used to be. But if you've recently tried to buy concert tickets, yeah, I'm thinking Taylor Swift Eras Tour tickets, I'm looking at you, you'll find that bots actually have started to make our lives a lot harder. And not every concert becomes a movie that's already made $120 million. You go, Glenn Coco. So when did bots go bad? And can today's product help you fight fire with fire? Your answer is just a click away. But first, here's an ad that's definitely absolutely 100% not generated by an AI bot. So today's product is Bodit, which is so funny and punny, but we'll get into it. And Bodit is brought to us by founders Joel and Maurice, and they are asking for $150,000 for 10% of their business, which is a $1.5 million valuation. Now, their product is very, let's fight fire with fire, because it is a website and mobile app that uses AI to complete online tasks. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Jory, but what does that actually mean? Essentially, in all those situations where you've ever lost to the bot, think concert tickets, think online restaurant reservations, it's going to enable you to have a smart bot essentially make that reservation for you and get that ticket so you can see Taylor Swift with not a sweat on on your brow. So it's a bot product, a custom bot product that consumers can use. Thinking about our pitch, our founder, and our bought it product, what are your initial thoughts? Are we bought in to it? <laughs> bought it in? So punny. Sadly, Ariel, I think bought it is not it. That is my take on bought it. <laughs> okay, explain. You know, you did a good job explaining. It's just an agent that a person can use to complete a web transaction. And the thing about this product is that the problem they're trying to solve is very real. Mm -hmm. I think like everybody that's listening probably has experienced a situation where they haven't been able to get access to something that they wanted to purchase online. And the reason they probably couldn't get access to it wasn't because all of their peers went out and got it. It's probably because some bots bought it. And bots are like a massive problem. 50% of web traffic is basically bots. And so I think the problem is real. I'm just extremely skeptical that this solution is going to be the solution that can solve it. I like that they're trying to solve this problem. I don't know if they actually have the right approach to do it. And I certainly don't think people are going to be willing to pay what they want to charge, which is like 30 or 40 bucks a month mm -hmm. in a subscription model in order to get access to it. Yeah. So similar thoughts too. I'm not a fan of this actually being oriented towards the end consumer. I think this is really meant to be a solution for the modern day concierge. When you think about services like MX Platinum, being able to actually automate your workflow to get the tickets that you need as opposed to picking up the phone and calling someone. But I think there's so many ways to detect bots that I'm very nervous about the longevity of this. There's so many systems at play that have bot detection that I don't know how this business is going to be still around in the next like five or 10 years, just given how much is like changing on this front with cybersecurity. Yeah, the actual providers themselves, to your point, are putting technology in place to stop bots 
number one. Right. <laughs> and number two, it turns out actually bots are illegal for ticket purchases. There's actually oh, like- There's some moral gray. Yeah, there's a law <laughs> called the Bots Act. It was passed in 2016 in the US <laughs> Congress, and it basically makes it illegal to buy tickets to events by evading security measures and breaking purchase rules set up by the ticket issuer. Legalese. <laughs> you know, I feel like focusing just on the bot piece of this, the completing the transaction, is potentially the most difficult and risky part of the transaction for a bot to help a consumer with. There's some really interesting products starting to come out similar to Botit, but a little bit more expansive in their thinking and solution. So like a really good example that I saw recently was a company called DuckBill.ai. DuckBill is basically like a personal assistant for all the tasks in your life. But their solution kind of uniquely combines AI and in particular LLMs, mm -hmm. large language models, and the ability to actually like create and generate texts, you know, and text and requests for you with bots that can actually execute on pre-programmed flows online. And it has humans in the mix as well. Mm. And I don't see any way technologically that you'd be able to tell a company like Ticketmaster, well, this is a personal bot just for me. So mm -hmm. like, you know, don't block my bot. Like I think bots are just going to keep getting kind of blocked out. Yeah. Okay. So the U.S. has its own bot act. What about like international traffic? We have them in the U.S., but then you think about like GDPR and the way that people are regulating and cracking down on bots, but also like data. I don't know. I felt like this was something that I could only see happening in the U.S. And then even in the U.S. market, it would be complicated. You're like, at least the U.S. is like kind of lawless and like favors <laughs> markets. Okay. It's kind yeah. of like the Wild West out here, for sure. Your description of fight fire with fire is such a good way to open this whole conversation mm -hmm. because that's exactly what this is. And I think the problem is that the regulatory environment around the Internet is super fragmented regionally. It's super complicated. Mm -hmm. The idea of people paying month to month, especially something as high as like $30 to $40, kind of didn't make sense to me. Mm. But then again, they do have consumers consistently subscribe to this. So they mentioned that they were getting, you know, $30,000 a month and... 350 customers, but I was kind of bamboozled by this being a subscription that someone would pay for, like yeah. the value add here. For a consumer level, if you really want to make a bot or automate, you can just script it yourself. You don't necessarily need to pay a monthly. About? Just call Ariel. Do you can script it, it yourself? <laughs> well, I mean, you could, you could create your own bot. If you want to get T-Swift tickets, could you write a bot to do it? I mean, I'm not going to say anything on air that will get me in trouble. But like, Are you a ways. black hat? Are you like no. a... So, no. I love learning things about Ariel. MySpace created this for us. <laughs> if you did MySpace, you know some HTML. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but I think my take is like, I think their advantage is actually in the fact that they have pre-packaged recipes or mm. use cases that don't require a consumer to solve all these problems. I don't think the average person is going to be like, I want T-Swift tickets. I'm going to write my own bot to go do it. I think people would actually pay for a bot that does it. Mm. How do you market a product that kind of already has a bad rep? from the beginning. What I found was I actually liked their branding. I thought it was simple. Yeah. I thought the name was joyful. Ew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we can unpack that, Ariel. Why do you not like their branding? Because for the point that you were getting at, the fact that the word bot has such a negative mm. connotation, if you're really going to consumers with this, name it something light and playful. We see this with technology but oftentimes. It's bought it. That's like so joyful. The bot bought it. Right. I think it's a yeah. clever play but, on words. But there's yeah. some negative connotation, right, behind using mm. a bot. It's all about how you package it. Yeah. So I think if they had the right name and just made it more fun and playful and less, ooh, this is an ethically gray area of AI and bots, then I think it makes it a little bit easier for consumers to be more receptive. I don't know. 
<laughs> I actually think there's going to be a trend where people are going to get more and more comfortable with using AI agents and yeah. bots as part of their everyday life. And in particular, for very specific use cases, you know, bots that are built to do a particular thing for them. So my concerns are not that people are going to reject the concept of AI agents or bots or even the branding or name. I'm with Jory on that. Like, I kind of like it. I think it's simple, easy. My mm -hmm. concerns are literally, ooh, I just think this use case of tickets and reservations is like being legislated away, mm -hmm. is being technologically like pushed back and all these things. And I just think that's just going to be such a barrier for them. I was actually a little surprised with this one because despite almost all of our sharks being really concerned about the reputation of bots and like not liking the ideas, we actually saw a bit of a feeding frenzy between Michael and Mark. And I think, was it Mr. Wonderful that was like, oh, it's the battle of the billionaires. And it was funny because I think <laughs> Michael initially was like, yeah, Mark, let's go in. And Mark was like, absolutely not. At first and he was like, they definitely do? not. Yeah. And then later he was like, I mean, I like Michael. You know, he's a good guy. So yeah, I backtrack right. a little. He backtracked, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but they ended up building a bridge because ultimately there was a Shark Tank deal. Mark and Michael went in for $300,000 for 30%. So bought it, bought a Shark Tank deal and walked away with a deal yep. where the sharks are trying to invest in their AI product. I'm not surprised I got a deal because I think it's just a very hot space. And I think use case based AI technology solutions to help people is very hot. And it's not like they're just walking in with an idea. They're walking in and they're sure. like, we've got a proof of concept. We've clearly right. proven that we can deploy this technology to do some stuff. They came across as people you'd want to invest in. And so through that lens, you're like, well, I want to get as much of my capital into this AI space as possible. It's really hard to get swings at AI companies as an investor because like the big VC firms are so aggressively investing in them. So, hey, like this is a team that seems good. They've proven they can kind of do it. Do I think this is exactly how it'll play out? Probably not, but like, I'll just work with mm -hmm. them and we'll just pivot and find a path to deploy this technology on something. Mm -hmm. Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.